is part one of three of a series called Upon This Rock. Upon this rock. I'm talking about Peter. I'm talking about popes. Uh, Peter, that's Greek for rock. You know. Now, if Christianity, because that's what I'm talking about as well, is built on that rock called Peter, uh, if that rock is not very solid, uh, for example, if Peter didn't exist, I think he did exist, then it's quite interesting that such a strong building has been built on a, um, um, what would you call it, a, an illusion of a rock. Yeah. But maybe illusions can be more solid than reality. Maybe illusions are reality. Yeah. Uh, I live next door to hippies. That's why I'm talking like that. Right, now, uh, but then uh, underneath that rock is a foundation, which I'll call the idea of Jesus. Jesus. Now, if Jesus didn't exist, we've got a rock floating on an illusion. So even if Peter existed, we've got a rock yeah, and and that's that's a proper rock, you know. If Peter did exist, he seems to have written some letters. So, okay. <laughs> um, but if who we know as Jesus didn't exist per se in that way, then the rock is sort of floating on an illusion, and rocks are quite heavy. Well, that's interesting too. But then, if Jesus is you know, almost a fiction, let's say, if he is. Now, if you believe him to be absolute reality, I did not offend you there because I only said if. Okay? If Jesus is, um, well, a made-up story, then, um, you know, based on, based loosely on the sorts of evangelists that were kicking around Jerusalem at the time that Jesus was supposed to have existed. Um, so, you know, but if our Jesus didn't exist, Jesus, that's a Greek word too, and so is Christ. So he wasn't called that, whoever he was. You know. And I, I kind of think that who we know as Jesus was probably dominantly one, you know, the, the early scripture writers had someone in mind, we don't know what his name was, uh, I think we don't know what his name was. It can't be Jesus. That's all we know, because that's a Greek word. You know, no Jew was born Jesus. You know, uh, okay. And he was most certainly not christened Jesus. <laughs> well, he was baptized, wasn't he? Actually, uh, apparently, the only things we do know about a person who probably was and might have been, and I think would have been Jesus. The only thing we know about such a person, is that someone like him was baptised and someone like him was executed. Beyond that, we don't know anything. We don't know one thing that he might have said, but, you know, um, you know independently verifiable. Uh, but um, a lot of words have been attributed to this guy, and whoever that guy was that got baptised as such and executed, um, yeah, maybe a lot of those words were his. Yeah. 
but I dare say a lot of other words that are attributed to Jesus were probably said by people like Jesus. Yeah. And um, and some of those words, I reckon, uh, must have been, uh, at least the grammar of what Jesus said, surely was constructed by the scripture writers after Jesus died, whoever they were, especially the gospel writers, you know. Um, so the gospel writers themselves, whoever they were, we don't know who they were, um, and two of the, I don't know, I forget which one, was John and Matthew, you know, the most um, sort of people who analyse writing styles say that they're probably the same, the same writer. It doesn't really matter. But um, Jesus, uh, yeah, um, some of that which is attributed to Jesus, the things that Jesus said, apparently, uh, might have been the writers themselves, you know, coming out of their heads as they're writing. A little bit, you know, like my talk stories, you know, when I'm telling stories, um, I think of things. But what I'm getting at, now the interesting thing is, you, you probably think that I'm going, that the way I've started here, you probably think that I'm going to get stuck into the idea that Jesus is worth a pinch of salt. You know? uh, but I am going to say that Jesus was real, in a way, and I'm going to say the Pope is real, and that I'm, and I'm going to say the Christian, that Christianity is built on a solid, solid foundation. I think it is. You know? And um, you know, Muhammad is in the same boat. We don't know if he existed either there's no you know people started talking about or writing about him what 100 years after he died you know, very similar to the whole Jesus problem you know so did Muhammad exist the way we think he existed there's no evidence of that um, when the uh, Arabs first started attacking you know came up from the desert and attacked you know uh, Rome which was um, 600 AD odd 700 AD odd when the Arabs came up. Uh, see, the the Romans were busy um, in Constantinople fighting the Persians, as always, and they were also had their hands full with the Huns and the Avars and all these, you know, people coming out of the steppes and the Slavs and all these people. So no one was looking at the desert down south. No one was looking at the deserts, and uh, so Rome had its hands full. Uh, now we call um, now what I mean by Rome these days we call it Byzantium, but it, they called themselves Romans. It was Rome, you know. Um, so Rome uh, in Constantinople, uh, the Western Roman Empire had fallen, but uh, the Eastern Roman Empire was still kicking along, um, and you know it, it was in danger for a while, but then it came back strongly again and lasted for a thousand years, you know, and had its ups and downs. But anyway. The Romans were busy, you know, as always, wars with the Persians, you know, um, politics and battles and even some conquests back in the Western Roman Empire, you know, they had a bit of a stronghold over in Spain and they maintained a few bits and pieces and they even had Egypt, um, like the Western Roman Empire had had, or, you know, the entire Roman Empire had had, and they had the Fertile Crescent and all that sort of thing. But then suddenly the Arabs came up. But I don't detect that those Arabs, even after the time of Muhammad, were, they don't seem to have been fueled by Muhammad. They seem to be just Arabs, as far as I can tell. It doesn't seem like Islam is a huge thing with them. Um, but I, I could be wrong there, you know. So I don't think 
you know, Muhammad lit a fire and everybody was fired by the, uh, um, you know, the fire of Islam and all that sort of stuff in the early days of the Arab uh, invasions into Constantinople and all that sort of thing coming up in boats and whatever they were doing. Um, you know, it was just Arabs. And I think Islam kind of evolved a little bit like Christianity evolved. You know, that's the way it looks like. That's the way it looks to me. Um, so Muhammad is the same problem and isn't just about anything, you know. Um, you can have very solid institutions like Christianity or Islam built on fairly flimsy foundations. It, um, flimsy in the historical sense, but they're strong foundations really because they're ideas. And ideas can be stronger than rocks. Well, that's all the stuff I'm going to explore. Let's go for it. Children, if I was to summarise the episode you're about to hear, I would say that it was something like an introduction to the idea of Jesus. Um, uh, By way of moving on later to the... uh, to the institution we call the papacy. That's what I would call this episode. And the reason I'm even talking about this? Well, because I'm listening to a podcast by someone else on the papacy at the moment. And this has got nothing to do with the talk stories. These interludes are in between the talk stories. Okay, But I like chatting to you anyway. And it doesn't really matter to me whether it's hanging together or not. Take it for what it is. Or don't, as you wish. Okay, so the episode you're about to hear is something like an introduction to the idea of Jesus, which I think is a good idea to have if you're going to uh, chat about the papacy, because the papacy is roughly based on the idea of Jesus. It's premised on the idea of Jesus. Now, I'm saying the idea of Jesus because it's a matter of sort of sheer irrelevance to me whether an actual Jesus existed or not. And I talk about that in the episode that comes up. People uh, often get hung up on whether something existed historically or not before they'll buy it as an idea. So a classic one, because I got, you know, one of my obsessions lately has been Ethiopia, you know, and I've done a whole podcast on Ethiopia, or I'm in the middle of one anyway. And uh, in there, the Ethiopians believe themselves to be descended from, or at least their emperors, descended from Solomon and the Queen of Sheba, all right? And that they are one of the 12 tribes of Judah, right? So it all ties in. So the Ethiopians see themselves as being descended from Solomon and Sheba. Now that's interesting because Solomon and Sheba might not have existed. I'm almost certain, you know, like if I was a betting person, I would say this. I'm pretty certain, I wouldn't put money on 
a great king such as Solomon never existed, you know, I would say. You know, a great king who discovered gold in a whole, you know, discovered mines, gold mines, and then mined that gold and, um, and became fabulously wealthy. You know, and then straight after he died, the Egyptians came and stole all that gold. Well, that all sounds like a fable to me, you know. I, I, I'm, I'm, I reckon there might have been some sort of chief, you know, like a minor king or whatever you might, might want to call it, called something like Solomon. Um, at the time that Solomon was supposed to have existed, you know, he's in the Jewish Dark Ages, so there's nothing written down anyway. Um, I'm, you know, I'm prepared to guess that there was someone called Solomon. You know, we know that there was someone called David, but we're not sure about all the other great kings of Israel, you know. But we know even in the modern era, um, people uh, big up uh, people who have come before. If you, if you were, if you had a um, grandfather who was in the war, he might have been a minor soldier, but by the time you've uh, built up the story in your head and told it to your children, you know, um, he was no longer a minor soldier. He um, single-handedly saved the war and he was a general, you know, <laughs> that sort of thing, you know. So Solomon would have been like that, I think. Um, yeah, it's just too convenient that he found all this gold and then it was stolen straight after he died and taken to Egypt. So Egypt's got all Israel's gold, you know. It was ours. We minded ourselves, you know. It was our hard work that got all that gold. Well, it was Egypt's all along, I reckon, you know. This is one of the, this is one of those things, you know. You can imagine Egypt has a lot of gold. We know that, you know. There's lots of gold associated with Egypt, you know, quite irrespective of the Jews, right? So... And now the Jews don't have all this gold. They're a shepherd race, you know. All right. So you can imagine, you know, but, but the, uh, the Jews did have their moment, you know, because David, um, there is a mention of a David on a stele somewhere. So historically, a David seems to have existed, um, you know, and I would say a line of kings did exist, you know, Jude Judaic, Judaic kings. Um, but I don't think they were anything like, um, the or, you know as big as Solomon was reported to have been, um, you know, and they would have just been kings, you know, and you know we've got this one Solomon who suddenly comes into you know finds a gold mine which has never been discovered, you know, evidence of a gold mine has never been discovered since, um, right? Apparently, mythically, legendarily, or actually, if you actually believe it, um, Solomon, you know. What I think is the Jews looked over at Egypt and saw all that gold and they didn't have any. So they said, um, we once had a great king with gold as well, or as much gold as that and more, you know. And and he, and he Jews mined it. We, we mined it, you know. We, we got it out of the ground and then the Egyptians stole it, you know. But I'm more of the opinion that the Egyptians probably had it all along and, you know, but that story is a good one. Um, because it allows the Jews to say, gee, you know, those Egyptians, all their gold. Prior to that story, all they could say was, oh, wow, those Egyptians have got a lot of gold. That's amazing. But after that story came along, they were able to say, 
oh, those Egyptians have got all that gold and they stole it from us. You know, it's a, it's a kind of tweak. <laughs> it's a good tweak. And I think Solomon is a good tweak, you know. And I don't think Sheba existed at all, you know. Um, you know, I think it, uh, Sheba might be based on a town or maybe they're, you know, called Saba. And maybe, but maybe there was a queen of that, you know. But a queen, you know, like, would it be a queen in the Queen Elizabeth sense or, you know, a local chief ruler type queen, you know? Um, anyway, um, what I was getting at is it doesn't really matter. If in the minds of Ethiopians, you know, if the sto- when someone has a, an idea of a character like Sheba, you know, they, they create, you know, when they're in the middle of creating an origin story for themselves, and that's what the Ethiopians were doing, um, and the Jews as well, you create an origin story, where did I come from? And if you're not quite sure, you make one, you know. But you sort of think, oh, but that's not real. You know, that's not real. You know, some people are really keen for that person to have physically existed and not have come out of someone's imagination. But here comes the crux of what I think. What is, you know, and this sounds like philosophy, but what is reality? Well, reality is anything that happens in the universe. Now, an idea happens in, you know, even if it's an idea of a fictional character, uh, our brains, our imaginations exist in the universe. And if someone has the idea, if someone came up with an idea of a Sheba, you know, a black woman, let's say, you know, as you might call it, uh, marrying a, what, pretty much white guy uh, called Solomon, and then, um, and, you know, they were equals, and then came back to Ethiopia, and, well, voila, the Ethiopians are sort of half black and half white, aren't they? They're brown, all right? So that's a good story, and I have no problem with that. Um, now, the fact, whether, now there are two options, either, you know, Sheba and Solomon did marry in that way and came back. Yeah, and, and, and then Sheba had a baby called Menelik, and that was the first of the Ethiopian emperors, you know, 3,000 years ago, all right? So there's two choices. Either they existed or someone made them up. Now, in both cases, uh, the personalities that are Solomon and Sheba... Um, it doesn't matter who made them up, the Jews, the Ethiopians, whatever. It doesn't matter. The Ethiopians see themselves as Jews in that sense. They're one of the 12 tribes of Judah. So they are Jews. So, all right, the Jews made it up, and it's in the Bible and all that sort of stuff. All right. So, possibly Sheba and Solomon did actually exist. All right. Okay. That would satisfy just about everyone. Um, possibly the um, they existed, but in a much less grand way. Right, possibly they existed. All right, that would still satisfy a lot of people who, if who, yeah, that would still satisfy a lot of people. And they would say they've just been exaggerated over the centuries. That happens all the time. We're used to that. All right, so three options. One, they existed just like the Bible said. All right, that's one option. Okay, now that's that's acceptable. Um, they have valid- validity, historical validity. You know, next option. Um, they existed in a much more minor way, you know. Uh, she was just a local sort of ruling chief. She was some sort of ruling chief of some sort. And he was a 
what the Egyptians would call a minor king in an outer province, you know, sort of thing, you know, in 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 the King Canaan, in Canaan, you know, and you know they sort of did have a union of some sort. All right. Now I think that union might have been just a sort of um, an alliance between two cities, you know, a city called Saba and you know and Judea, you know, something like that, you know, but that it was metaphorized that's the word I just made up um, you know and, and the city was actually called you know and was converted into a, a human called Sheba a queen you know to symbolize that city you know so the coming together the alliance the cultural sharing between the two places Judea and Saba you know um, which might have been in Yemen or around Ethiopia or somewhere. Who knows where Saba might have been? I think there's all sorts of evidence where that might have been. Or maybe there were a couple of Sabas or three or four. Right. So, but what I'm getting at, and now it's getting really late, one o'clock now in the morning, um, coming back from the Epworth Hospital. Um, I'm about to take you back to um, some audio I made before I went to the Epworth Hospital tonight. Uh, but we'll get to that. I'm taking this slowly. Right. Whether they existed or not. Oh, yes. So that's another option. That they existed, but in a much more minor way, and then it was exaggerated. All right. That's probably most likely. But then there's a third option where Sabo, Yashiba, sorry, was just completely made up. Right? In someone's imagination. And then that's where a lot of people jump in and say, aha, then she has no validity. But that's where I disagree. I think she still just has that. In fact, she might even have more validity, you know, because someone having an idea of someone, I reckon, is even more sophisticated than someone even existing, you know, because it's chimpanzees in my book um, who uh, everything has to be, for whom everything has to be literally correct, you know, have, has, but humans are more sophisticated than chimpanzees and we're able to imagine someone real. And in the act of imagining someone real, they are real in our imaginations. And our imaginations are real because our imaginations occur in the real world and are a product of the universe, you know. So a, a fictional character that we make up in our minds or a legendary character or a mythical character, especially if that character um, has uh, some value for future generations, um, you know, like Jesus, the idea of Jesus, even if he didn't exist... Um, if, if the idea of him, you know, as a, let's say, a fictional character in the minds of a lot of atheists or whatever, you know, or, this, you know, uh, the idea of him, the fictional character of him, is just as valid as a real person him in my book. You know, I don't think that writes him off and, you know, I don't think one should say... Oh, well, I'm not going to believe in Jesus at all because he didn't exist in flesh and blood, you know. And I'm sort of saying, why are you so hung up on flesh and blood? If he was an idea, that's just as good, you know. In the same way that, and I argue this in the episode that's coming up, in the same way that Sherlock Holmes, the fictional character, the fictional detective Sherlock Holmes, is worth knowing, you know, and has some really good stories to tell you, you know, he's a, you know, you can follow the life of Sherlock Holmes, and he didn't even exist. But you don't throw him out. He's worth something. And in the same way, I think Jesus is worth something, whether he existed or not. That's what I'm getting at. So I am not hung up. This is just me, personal, personal opinion, and all that sort of stuff. 
I'm not hung on. Where the Jews? I, I wouldn't even waste time. If when if there's no way we're going to find out anyway, who cares if he existed or not? The idea of Jesus existed. All right. Now the entire um, religion called Christianity is premised on the existence of Jesus, a Jesus. Right. The idea. I'm going to talk about the papacy. The papacy, the popes, you know. The papacy is premised on the idea of a Jesus existing. If Jesus never existed, then, you know, it's all just rubbish, you know. But I'm going to say that even if he physically didn't exist, Jesus, the idea of Jesus most certainly did exist and does exist. The idea of Jesus did arise from Judea around the time of Augustus Caesar, you know, in the reign of Augustus Caesar. Right. A personage, all right, can I use that word? A personage, a character, you know, whether real or not, a Jesus did arise out of Judea, in Judea, in that time. We know that much for sure. We don't know whether he was real or not, but he, he, he uh, someone, whether fictional or not, um, arose in Judea and upon that someone an entire religion was built okay and I'm here to say that I don't care whether he existed or not it does not invalidate the entire religion upon which um, it was built you know it does not invalidate that religion if that uh, if what it was built on happens to have been an, uh, an idea rather than an actual person. I reckon it doesn't matter at all. I could build a, an entire um, detective unit, you know, a world detective unit based on Sherlock Holmes and it could function very well and do good detective work in the world and be a quite valid detective agency built on um, Sherlock Holmes as its inspiration. Who cares if Sherlock Holmes is a fictional character if the detective agency does a great job, right? Who cares? And same goes with Christianity. Who cares if Jesus existed or not? Look, he did exist in the same way that Sherlock Holmes existed as a bare minimum because someone thought of him as an idea, okay? And just quietly, I think Jesus was probably a... Um, a, a um, what do you call it? Um, my brain's gone sort of fuzzy with um, lack of sleep, but a uh, a blend of the sort, you know, the sort, you know, maybe he, there were about into the character of Jesus. Probably, you know, my my bet is into the character of Jesus went about went approximately fifteen different Jesuses. That were around at the time, and the sorts of things they were teaching were all piled into one character who became called Jesus. Now we know there was no Jesus, literally, in Judea. You know, there was no one getting around called Jesus that met Pontius Pilate. We know that much because Jesus is a Greek word, you know, and Jesus is well attested to have been Jewish. He was not called Jesus, you know, because Jesus is not a Jewish word, right? And so we know he was. So I think, you know, my bet is that there was one sort of prophet or messiah type 
in particular upon which the personage of Jesus that we know today uh, was built, but that ideas were drawn into that character later uh, when the Gospels were written, for example. You know, that main Jesus would have been, I think, quoted the most. You know, this is my bet, you know, but the, uh, the early Gospel writers wouldn't have stopped with just that. I reckon they would have added some quotes from other kind of evangelist sort of preachers of the day into the one person person called we call Jesus today. Now that happens a lot, you know. Um, you get, you know, someone like Cyrus the Great, you know. Um, or, you know, you get great people in history and they seem to have done everything. You know, Moses, for example. Um, everything, that, all the things that are attributed to Moses might well have been done by 15 people like Moses in that era because, you know, there's no historical evidence of Moses per se, you know, or Abraham or anyone really back then practically. You know, and Dave and David, um, just one mention of him on a stele somewhere, you know, uh, but all the others, you know, we just, we just have to take the Jews' word for it that they even existed, you know. But um, I think, you know, uh, what happens in history and someone mentioned this to me another time, you know, uh, the American Revolution, for example, uh, a whole lot of people were involved with that, you know, George Washington and Lafayette and um, Hamilton, which is a musical now, and um, what's his name, the other one, you know, uh, <laughs> I can't even remember, um, the, the other famous one. All these people were involved in, you know, constructing the idea of America, but, you know, maybe in 500 years' time, it'll all be pinned, you know, Washington did it all. Single-handedly, Washington created America. You know, and you've got to go a thousand years into the future before that sort of grips and takes hold. And, you know, in ancient times, that's true too. Uh, you get a, a famous person in history um, who may not have done everything that is attributed to him or her, uh, but all that is attributed to him or her now because whoever else was contributing all those ideas have been forgotten. So, you know, Solomon is the source of all wisdom in his era, you know, but he might not have been the only wise person. Some of the things that are attributed to Solomon, other people might have done, you know. So there might have been a judge um, working for Solomon who um, did that whole, you know, cut the baby in half thing. You know that story, you know. And two mothers, you know, both claimed a baby to be hers. Each, each mother claimed the baby to be hers. And then apparently Solomon said, well, I'll chop the baby in half and you can have half each, you know. And then one of the mothers um, said, no, don't chop the baby in half, you know. Let her have it rather than that. And the other mother said, yeah, all right, chop it in half. I don't care, you know. Um, a lot of people believe that story and um, say that, yeah, Solomon, made, Solomon was the wise judge who did that. Now, it might not have been the king Solomon who did that. It might be someone working for Solomon who did that. But as time passes, everything gets attributed to the one person, you know, and we shrink everything to that one person. Now, 
Uh, and by the way, that was probably a metaphor, that one, the baby story. And I think it was something to do with, it's a metaphor for, it's nothing to do with two women and a baby, you know, quite possibly. I think it was about um, the split between Israel and Judea at the time. And it was a metaphor for that and all that sort of thing. But then, of course, you get people who just take it literally and say, oh, no, no, it was two women and a baby. No, 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 the scripture writer was talking about, you know, um, would you split Israel and Judea into two lands or should they be unified, you know? Um, And that's what that story is about. It's a metaphor, you know, but then you always get people, and I I think that that was where that story comes from. I do think that's where that story comes from. It was a metaphor where they were trying to say, you know, someone didn't want Israel and Judea to be split, the Jews to be split into two lands, but they were split into two lands, you know, and and that story was a, a lament, as it were, for, you know, um, the, the, fact, the fact that those two lands had been split, and Solomon brought them together again, because that's, well, I think that was one of the big things Solomon did, did he? You know, brought the two, Judea and Israel together into one, or something like that, was that him? You know, and if he did, good. You know, and I think he built a temple right on the border, you know, um, and that's Jerusalem, you know, and that's how it all works out. The Solomon's Temple, blah, blah, blah. You could probably work all that out yourself, you know. Um, so it's all a metaphor, you know, but then some people say, no, it was a real baby and he was going to chop it in half. And I said, no, no, it was, oh God, you know, that's the way it goes. But the point is, all these things get attributed to, let's say, well, you know, the story of the baby and all this wisdom. You know, someone else might have had all that wisdom and Solomon said, gee, that was a good idea. And, and then, you know, 500 years later when things get written down, it was Solomon who had all the ideas because he's the only person they can remember for that era, you know. And that might happen to Washington, someone... Now, who was that? I think that was Mike Duncan, actually, who came up with that idea for me, uh, only for me. He was only doing his podcast for me. And Mike Duncan, I think, was saying um, um, that, you know, as time goes on, you, you think it's impossible now because you know all the characters involved in the American Revolution. But a thousand years from now, and imagine, you know, um, um, that the internet crashes and all digital data is lost and then, you know, there's a terrible nuclear war and all that sort of stuff. And all that, you know, in a thousand years, and someone remembers that there was an America and that there was a Washington that started it and that there were some stories around that and they say, well, Washington was responsible for all of it, you know, and all the other ones weren't part of it at all, you know. Washington was great and did everything. Now, I think Jesus is the same, um, in my opinion, I would say that, you know, like Washington, Jesus was the main man. There was a, there was a historical kind of Jesus. Um, I think there would have been, you know, at a guess, but I'm not saying for sure. Uh, but I think that the Jesus that we have now, as written down in the Bible, you know, with so many ideas, I don't think that person on, upon which our Jesus is based had all those ideas. I think he had some of those ideas, or maybe even most of those ideas, but some of the ideas that are attributed to Jesus now, I reckon were other um, messiahs, you know, on soapboxes around Jerusalem shouting out wisdoms. Um, and um, and that our Jesus is now, you know, he's a compendium. That's not the right word. Um, he's a composite. That's the word I was trying to think of. He's a composite of or the type of preacher 
that was getting around at the time who were reforming preachers, trying to reform, and I think reform Jewishness along Western lines or, you know, um, Greco-Roman lines of the day, you know. And finally, in the episode that's just about to come up, which I think is even messier than what I've just been describing here, I think that was reasonably clear what I just said there. Um, But I had another crack at it earlier on the way to the Epworth Hospital. I'm on the way back now. I just landed back at home. I had a crack at saying all this before. And I I think I was, you know, I I was just getting my head around it. Um, so I, you're, you're basically going to get the whole story that I just told again now, but in a less well thought out way. Um, but I'll leave it there because it's interesting, you know, just to get it repeated. Um, and you know, I may have said something in the for, in the foregoing, you know, in sorry, in the bit to come that has some value anyway. So look, here come, let's press repeat. So. Um, and I think that will do. Now, just before I go on, I start, um, I picked you up, Scarlett, from a a showing of Les Mis, Les Miserables. Um, uh, So I uh, I snuck into the theatre just as you were coming out and recorded the outro music so that you can know that you were there (laughs) listening to that. Or here here that comes now, all right? Um, Okay, that'll do, that'll do, that'll do. Some just let all this talk wash over you and see if you make anything out of it and then in a future interlude I will build the a religion called Christianity and a papacy called a papacy um, I will build a religion upon the idea of Jesus as defined in this episode and it will be a very real religion based on a very real Jesus whether that Jesus existed or not and that's what I'm getting at Scarlett, I just put that little piece of audio on for you. Uh, that is, uh, every, or the crowd is coming out of Les Mis in Frankston, and we've driven you down here to watch it. Uh, I didn't come in, uh, your mum did. Uh, so that was, uh, I walked into the theatre just now so that you could hear that. Stop the press. Did you hear how bad that audio was? The audio of me speaking to you, Scarlett, as I came out of that uh, theatre hall in Frankston. Uh, I did not realise I was creating bad audio from time to time, and I, I have worked out why that is. It's because I've had my Bluetooth headphones on, and that mucks up the audio. So, 
that explains the occasional bad audio that we've had prior to this too. Uh, And I'll probably do it again in the future when I forget to turn my Bluetooth off when I'm making these podcasts. Uh, But at least I know. The time of Jesus, Jesus was irrelevant in Rome. Absolutely irrelevant. He was just one, uh, one minor Jewish sect, you know, leader, uh, one cult leader amongst many, in an in an era when Jews Jews were uh, exposed heavily to classical ideas through Greece and Rome, via Greece and Rome, and they were coming to terms with that, I think, the Jews, uh, and the, and, and I think, you know, I think it's a little bit like the way that here in Australia, and in the Western world at the moment, we had, you know, it was basically a Christian sort of culture, Judeo-Christian culture. Uh, yeah, even after the Renaissance and the Enlightenment, you know, we, we still consider sel- uh, considered ourselves Judeo-Christian, basically. Especially in a place like Australia, coming from England. You know, the French had much more resistance against Christian ideas for a while, you know, through the French Revolution and all that sort of thing. But, um... But we've come into, we're moving into an era now where there's a hell of a lot of uh, progressiveness going on. And there are a lot of what you might call secular religions all over the place. People with ideas of feminism, LGBT, but 50 other things too. And not all of them are in agreement. So if you picture all of that, if you imagine that all these secular ideas at the moment, which are being pushed very heavily, so there are people, you know, furiously ranting or, you know, let's say evangelizing their secular ideas in public, in public discourse, and often in opposition to the prevailing uh, conservative uh, um, culture, which, you know, would be something to do with Western culture, Christianity, Catholicism, you know, Church of England, all that sort of stuff, you know, which is all the establishment stuff. So there's a huge move afoot right now as the world shifts into a, uh, a an almost social revolution, you know, a, um, a cults. It's like there are cults, C-U-L-T-S, all over the place at the moment in the Western world. Now, this is going to become relevant to uh, speaking about the, you know, it gets back to the papacy and the first, you know, and Jesus and all that sort of stuff. You know, where did all this come from? Catholic Christianity and Jesus and you know, and then Peter in, um, on upon you will be my rock and I will build my church right on top of you, you know. Uh, Where did all that come from? And I'm getting to that uh, because I see a similarity in the world now in the 21st century and it sort of goes like this in my mind. Um, 
right now we have a lot of religions. Now they are secular religions. So, you know, they tend to be secular religions. But we've obviously got, you know, they're the prevailing sort of progressive revolutionary ideas. End of part one of a series called Upon This Rock. <laughs>